Woo woo! It's our cartoon president on Writers Get Animated. Stay tuned. My fellow Americans and listeners from other countries, this is Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and eating cheeseburgers in bed. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today, we're talking about the very real... Animated TV show. <laughs> Our cartoon president. Which is based on... Our cartoon president, Donald J. You you know, um, <laughs> you know the one. Um, As the end theme of our cartoon president says, "He's a president. We elected him. He's a president. We elected him." <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, so, um, for our listeners who aren't. In the United States of America. Um, I, I just wish I had a window into what that was like. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, this, our cartoon president is a new show on the channel Showtime um, that is produced and created by Stephen Colbert. And based on his animated version of Donald Trump that visited his The Late Show with um, Stephen Colbert. It's The Late Show, right? I always get them all confused yeah, over... Yeah, it's, it's The Late Show. One is Late Night and Tonight Show. It's The Late Show. It's not Late Night with... Because Late Night with... Is that Jimmy Kimmel? It's just The Late Show. It's just, I don't know who's... It's Stephen Colbert's show. Stephen Colbert's show that's in the latter part of the day. It happens in... Not the latter day. That's that's like a different show, I think. But like the, the evening... Before it becomes the next day and while it's at the end of the current day. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a while, Chris O'Dowd. Where did you come from? <laughs> Wow, that's that's like a reference to a couple episodes, like, like two hundred episodes ago. Moving 200. on. <laughs> How many episodes of our podcast do you think there are? I don't even know anymore. So let's let's talk about what this is. Uh, Mackenzie, could you could you explain just a little bit more? Yeah, I'm, I'm just having um, a hard time getting getting us there. Let's go into the history of Stephen Colbert and animation. But the preface, while our podcast will remain family-friendly, be aware that this is an animated show on Showtime. And is probably not appropriate for younger kids. That being said, this episode will stay in family-friendly realm area. Um, but it will get into politics. But if you've listened to our show before, you know how we feel about this. <laughs> so, the history of Stephen Colbert and animation. He's not afraid of it, which is great. So as a um, comedian and late night host and Saturday Night Live person thing, um, 
he has used animation previously, or at least has been involved in animation um, that prior to our cartoon president has been inspired by animated shows that he knew, I think, as a kid, I would guess. Because Stephen Colbert is a big nerd. He could out Lord of the Rings anybody. Yes. Um, so perhaps most famously, his first animated um, adventure from SNL was the ambiguously gay duo. Making fun. I'm, Chris is making a face. Is that a ha-ha face? Or? Yeah. It's Okay. <laughs> Mid-2000s, we didn't know this was offensive enough realness. Um, <coughs> so it's making fun of like the, the 80s Super Friends slash Batman and Robin duo as a whole. It's two superheroes who are the ambiguously gay duo. And the whole shtick is that they're not gay, but they're maybe gay? They're totally gay, right? <laughs> like that's the big joke is the supervillains and everyone witnessing is like, okay, that's that's really gay. They have to be gay, and there's something, some superpower or something that makes them say something a certain way or um, arrange their bodies physically in a certain um, position or. Or drive a car that's shaped like a certain thing. Into, so, into rocks that are shaped like a certain other thing. It's just... Yeah. It's a lot. Hilarity ensues? If you were like end of high school or older in the mid-2000s, this is really funny to you and you remember it. And if you weren't, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> It's gone. It's been erased from the record. It's one of those things that, like, doesn't age well very quickly. But, yeah, like, like, it's a funny thing, and uh, which is why I'm glad that it, it didn't happen a lot on Saturday Night Live. That, you know, the animated things, the TV funhouse things Saturday, um, didn't happen as often. But it... it it's a single joke and it's like a it's like a poor college humor kind of thing not like the website college humor but very very much like a joke that you would make in college and um but taking it to its just extreme level and because it's animation you can take it to its extreme level so animation can do something that live action can't. And I do think that they did the ambu ambiguously gay duo in live action on SNL once for something. Yeah. <clears throat> that rings a bell. It's probably a reunion or something. Yeah. And <clears throat> St Stephen Colbert was on there playing one of the supervillains. And I think um, Steve Carell was on there as well playing another one of the supervillains. And if I remember correctly, I think John Hamm, because of course he did, played one of the duo. I don't know. That sounds who, like a very John Hamm thing to do. I don't know who played the other one, <clears throat> but um, so Stephen Colbert did that, and then on his pseudo satire late Bush era show, The Colbert Report. He ventured into more animation stuff. He did, um, I think Tech Jansen was from that, as I recall. Tech Jansen is his 
like campy sci-fi alter ego like a la Flash Gordon and there was a series of Tech Jansen shorts that are less memorable than the ambiguously gay duo. But again, at the time, we're perfectly funny. <laughs> and he's got into some other things. I think there's been a um, like a Schoolhouse Rock parody at one point to recall. Um, I think most recently did a Charlie Brown Christmas parody after the election last year, two years ago. Oh, two years ago. That's nice. That's fun to say. that's a nice countdown (laughs) (laughs) and now we have um, he had a recurring bit with a a cartoon version of Donald Trump appearing in his show I think most famously in his Trump cartoon parody parodied the viral online video Hello Stranger and so it's just his cartoon Trump in underwear lying in a stomach, looking back at the camera saying, hello, stranger. It's been a long time. And it was just, it was what it was. It's, it's sad. It took on a life of its own and now it has a show. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the nice part or the interesting part of what happened with, um, the Trump anime, the animated version of Trump on Stephen Colbert was that it was, Stephen Colbert interacting live with an animated character. A la Homer live. Same program. Same application. So thank you, Adobe, for bringing us this um, this thing that exists now. Um, so it, it was interesting because then you could mock Trump in an interview style. Um but acknowledge that this is the cartoon version. And so you could do what cartoon satire does most and amplify it, create a caricature and just amplify the things. I I think with um, presidential and political humor is you go for the things that everyone knows and the facts that, anyone who isn't paying attention to the news still can pick out about that particular figure. And we, <laughs> and we talked about this a little bit when we did our presidential um, Matt Groening episode <laughs> where we talked about Futurama and the Simpsons and their past presidents and how they deal with the office of the president. Um, but looking at this and saying, if you've never, oh, what a glorious sentence. If you'd never heard of or experienced Donald Trump. Oh, like especially <laughs> the smelling salts. <laughs> these are the things that you would at least know about Donald Trump. Having never seen a video about Donald Trump or read an article about Donald Trump. These are the things that are in the cultural zeitgeist enough that you can say, Oh, oh yeah, that I know totally about that. And so when they created this, um, they took, I don't want to say all the low hanging fruit, but you kind of have to talk to the lowest common denominator in terms of what is known about each particular character and turn it and amplify it. And with this show, um, 
It's got a large cast of characters <clears throat> that go very in depth. Sometimes aren't even named. You just are supposed to recognize them. And so it's a lot of detail. And I think the show is only funny or makes sense if you're mired in the news. And okay, as I'm saying this, I hear it. This is everybody right now. <laughs> <laughs> we all get the joke. It's all very detailed and we all know exactly what's happening. <laughs> We all are just consumed by this situation. Either you're reading the news to see what's happened, uh, or you're reading the news to see if it's all over yet. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, things are still happening. Okay, is it over yet? Okay, no. So, yes, there, there are a cast of characters beginning with the inner circle of the... Trump administration, which also is the Trump family, which helps. Um, so it can be a family drama right away. Um, with um, Donald Trump Jr., um, Eric Trump is a person that exists, and <laughs> Ivanka Trump, and her husband, Tony Kushner. <laughs> Jared Kushner? Jared Kushner. Tony Kushner is completely different. I know who Tony Kushner <laughs> I was making a joke about Jared Kushner because I was like, I don't know who Jared Kushner is, but I definitely know who Tony Kushner is. But um, I think it'd be better if Ivanka Trump were married to Tony Kushner. It'd be more interesting. <laughs> it would be more interesting and probably better for the country. I think so. <laughs> would she notice? That's the question. <laughs> His name, his name is Kushner, right? Um. <laughs> so, Chris, for you, what what's your takeaway from the first episode of our cartoon president? I don't know if I can take much more <laughs> of, of any of it. Um, I, I don't know. It's with what we were saying about satire taking things up and amplifying it the hard part is the reality of who these characters are it's almost like they are cartoons already it's like mm -hmm. they are caricatures of it's like you could have a caricature of a real estate mogul who was a reality show guy who ends up being the president and doesn't know what's happening. And, and that's already a caricature. Like he already is a character caricature. So if you turn him into a caricature caricatured version of a caricature, like you're, you don't have that far to go. It's like turning the dial to 11 when the dial's already at 10.9, like, and, Everyone else around you has already turned their dials to 10.9 also. I know. That's the thing. It's like none of them are, are just like the, the, the funny things, the funny caricatures that are there, the parts that I had a smile and chuckled a little bit are the ones that are, they do take something and amplify it way far into absurdity. Such as? Two main ones. One is Mitch McConnell. <laughs> so Mitch McConnell is funny because of 
saying things very matter-of-factly. As we all know, President Trump and I haven't always seen eye to eye, but our boy has turned the corner and decided to do things the Washington way. And I've agreed to value political expediency over my conscience. <laughs> and just like him saying it, just like matter-of-factly, so just this matter-of-fact <laughs> Mitch McConnell was very funny. Um, and then, of course, Ted Cruz. Now, is everyone brushing their teeth, or is this like an alternative medicine thing? This this amped-up version of somebody that nobody likes. I do I do like that they twisted like his detachment from reality politically into just, he doesn't know what brushing your teeth is. <laughs> right. It's just really, really funny. It's like, of course he'd be this odious person. An odorous person. Both. Both. Both and. OD and odor. <laughs> which together makes us. <laughs> yeah, I... There's so much. It's really... It's not even like throwing darts at a dartboard and seeing what to put in the episode. It's like someone took a platoon of people and gave them shotguns and fired at the dartboard. <laughs> <laughs> to see what should be in this episode of our cartoon president. And the answer is all of it, literally everything to point that it doesn't really make sense or coerce together in any way, much like the presidency in actuality, this episode dragged on a lot longer than it felt like it actually had been going on. <laughs> I feel like it could have been 10 minutes long and been more effective. I feel yeah, like I just said like the, the Simpsons Trump shorts. I feel like I say this a lot <laughs> in this show lately. If it was 10 minutes long, it'd probably be fine. But <sighs> there's a couple things that I don't know. There's a, a couple things that I would say about it is that you either have to give a narrative to the craziness to make it work. And that narrative is something so familiar that it makes the caricatures ridiculous. So here's, here's an example. And I have to use um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone um, as an example on this. So the last time, if as a little bit of a history lesson, the last time somebody got this idea to make a satirical version of a sitting president, um, although Trump is more sitting than usual, but um, <laughs> to have a show of a sitting president that's a satire, the last time this happened was with Trey Parker and Matt Stone in That's My Bush, which is a show that went on for more episodes than it probably should have, but I think it was like eight or nine episodes. Um, it is not safe for work or kids or anything, so... Um, if the title is any indication, I know it's the last name of that president, but. And it's like a weird time capsule too, isn't it? Cause it's like the pre September 11th Bush. It is, which is mostly why they had to cancel it. I think <laughs> like, Oh, this isn't funny anymore. We can't make fun of him anymore. <laughs> At least for like a couple of years. Right. And then we'll get back to it. But um, what happens in that is, 
they take the tropes of our usual sitcom. So they're making fun of a sitcom from like the early 80s as much as they're making fun of President Bush as a character. So what they do is they have the trope of they have uh, the neighbor, the goofy womanizing neighbor who just walks over. He's like, hey, everybody. And he makes a wise crack and comes in and it's that crazy neighbor, Larry, which is hilarious because it's the White House. You don't, you don't have a neighbor who just like walks over like, hey, neighbor, how are things going on? Like, that's ridiculous on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the sassy maid and you have all the people who know more than the quote unquote dead, not dead, dumb husband. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's different. So the dead. <laughs> Is it different if you keep saying it? <laughs> dumb husband. So. You know, like basically, um, what about Jim or all these other shows where you have the the dim husband, the really smart wife, and like the all these crazy things? But it's just amplified because they're making fun of sitcoms in general, spe- and specifically George Bush. So they put George Bush in a usual um, sitcom and just mm-hmm. amplified that. What our cartoon president tries to do is something very similar. They put a typical sitcom plot in here, which is, oh, what are you going to, what is um, the president going to get Melania for their anniversary? And you put in this ticking clock of doing the state of the union address. But it doesn't make either of those plots interesting or even relevant to the action of the story. They're just things that they mention as this is what we're leading to, but they don't have any influence on the actions of anybody. And maybe that happens in the real life. You know, I have to do this, but it doesn't matter what happens until I get to that point, um, which is Mm. what it feels like. But I feel narratively one thing has to lead to another. It can't just be, here's a scene of this joke, here's a scene of this joke, here's a scene of this joke, and last for 22 minutes. And it was all that. And I think that the the problem with trying to satirize this particular presidency is that there's so much that you can tackle. And it's at the point where, because there's such a volume of things you can make fun of and criticize, if you skip something your show will be criticized for skipping making fun of something. Mm -hmm. It's just... Yeah. It it does feel like everybody gets a shot. I mean, Ben Carson gets, like, a huge moment. Why is Ben Carson in this episode? Yeah. Dramaturgically. Dramaturgically, it makes no sense except for, hey, look, Ben Carson is here, too. Someone can do a Ben Carson impression. Let's do it. It it makes zero sense. I mean, it was funny because of what he he's talking about people's brains going bad and using them as insulation for their cold houses, which is funny, but not any way connected to anything that happens in the plot. Yeah. I and if I, it wound up in the State of the Union later, I would have been okay with it, but it didn't even wind up there. And then you see him in the audience asleep because there's the other Ben Carson joke. 
But like while he's talking about Ben Carson's plan, Ben Carson's asleep. Like that's he slept through it. Like you know, you don't see the influence of anything else happening. And maybe that's who Donald J. Trump is is somebody who everybody talks to, but um, isn't porous enough for any of those other ideas to enter in. It just bounces off of him. And maybe that's maybe that's the joke. But dramaturgically, it's it's as unsatisfying as what reality is. I'd say that, yes, that is a joke, because I think the one strong choice the show has made is that Donald Trump isn't dumb. Right. He's just so cartoonishly, superhumanly selfish. That's the point of the show and the entire plot is driven by how selfish he is, not how dumb he is. Yes. Which may not be a true reflection of reality, but that's what the show is about. <laughs> if it had, and I think this is what it needs to do, it needed to look at its cartoon heritage as much as um, who they were satirizing. Because in the end, oh, I don't know if I can say this, Donald Trump is essentially Fred Flintstone. <laughs> In terms of the role that he fills as a character? Yes. Okay, not and, as a person. And and many things about him. Um, like, look at the hairstyle. Look at a lot of things. It's, it's, it's there. It's there. Um, that, that would mean Melania's Wilma. And they started doing a little bit of Fred and Wilma. But the other part of it is Trump in the show um, doesn't shut up. Like, and I know that that's, <clears throat> oh my gosh. I know that that's true to the reality. But it's like, I, I, I just want to be away from that. Yeah, you have to separate character from satirical base material. And I think that's that's what's missing is there's not enough of a transformation. We just made it animated and gave you everything. And I maybe the next episodes are going to be enough interesting. They're just trying to give us the world. But instead of giving us a taste of what the world was, we're like, let us show you everything that we could possibly do. We're down to, you know, a Hannity clip and talking about Russia for no reason. Like, And you can't have real consequences in this show because they haven't happened in real life yet. <laughs> As of this airing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think what worked for me in this episode were satirizing things that haven't been like overly done by everyone else in the world <laughs> so far. <laughs> okay. Like the whole like Fox and friends rise and shine and good morning, Mr. President. We love you. <laughs> um, and the whole like Don and Eric, like dumb and dumber sibling relationship. I ate up just cause no one's really made fun of Don and Eric like that yet. No, not in that way. There it's were original things to say that were funny. Who does the voice of Eric Trump? 
I feel like it's a woman. I I feel like it's a woman. I I I wish I knew who it was because I just love their performance of <laughs> our cartoon president uh, of of Eric Trump. That that performance is just so good. Trying to Google. Oh, there's a lot of Oh, it's uh, Emily Lynn, who also did Ivanka Trump and Karen Pence. I, I do appreciate her performance of Eric Trump. Like it, it's yeah, it it was really well done. It's the gold star. <clears throat> um, <laughs> it's shown brighter than most other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did also enjoy the Ivanka clip where they're at the State of the Union with Jared saying, you know, if you love me, you'd tell your father to fire me. Is it, oh, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I just, I just really, I don't know why I like that one so much, but I did. That's like the one point where I was able to laugh. Like it was catharsis. I don't know why. He just comes back around. The, yeah. I actually, I saw the the Guardian love this in their review. The Guardian loves this show. Like five stars, raved about it, loved it. Hmm. And I don't know if the difference here is like in the UK, you just don't have to deal with this every day on the level that <laughs> <laughs> we as citizens of the United States have to do. <laughs> like it's not in the news. It's not in every satire. It's not in the late shows. Like, you just appreciate our cartoon president as a standalone thing that happens in your imagination. I don't know. Is that why? Like, is it a saturation difference? I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, you made a point talking about people who don't like it. <laughs> On the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so far, our cartoon president has a Rotten Tomato score of 27%, which is a lower approval rating than Donald Trump himself. As of this recording. <laughs> As of this recording. <laughs> is that just people downvoting it because they... Well, it's it's professional. It's professional critical scores. It's not even like... You can't downvote it, can you? I don't know how Rotten Tomatoes works. I don't, I don't know either, but... Um, I, I... I... There's... I see two possible ways. So I'm, I'm going to put on my writer hat. Um, um, writer powers activate. And if we take a look at this storytelling, there's two ways that you could have done this that would have been better than the way they did it. One is you go, you put the character of Donald Trump into basically a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, whether it's Jetsons, whether it's, um, you know, Flintstones, you do something like that. Cause basically, um, George Jetson, Fred Flintstone, Yogi Bear, those are all of the same kind of character that Donald Trump can fit in, in a cartoon. So you go way back and you use those templates to tell a story about now. And in those, you just give one particular predicament that the president gets into 
for that particular episode. Yes, Mm -hmm. our president has his fingers in a lot of different pies, um, problem-wise. Yet, you can make reference to all of those, but the plot of the episode has to follow one single thing. Um, I'm really surprised they didn't have him golfing at all. Like that's that's like another thing. Like, uh, yeah, like you could go so many ways that he's so disinterested that you know he's just golfing all the time. I do enjoy that every time he's like, and then I won Ohio and it was amazing. Like, see, I was about to say like. In this episode, that recurring running gag of like retelling the story of the 2016 election, like uh, it was, it didn't, it didn't suck. Right. That's... I don't know if it was funny, but it didn't suck. Correct. Um, but if that's going to be the running gag for the whole show, of we just always fade in on Donald Trump, our cartoon president, retelling the story of the 2016 election, like I'm already tired of it. I'm tired of it because I know that happens in real life. Yeah, golfing, you can find new things to do there. Like, if you want to be crude about it, you could have him washing his balls. His golf balls in a ball washer. Like, you could... It's true. It's showtime. Use your imagination. (laughs) (laughs) Showtime. Um, That's the other thing. For being a showtime show, I expected something a little bit more than I would get on a Comedy Central show. And you don't get much. Like there's one joke about the language that happens 30 seconds in. And that's about like, hey, we're showtime. We can push the language. Sure, you can push the language, but you can you can push other things too. Like you can push other things. And I don't know if they're like, we're trying not to be too mean so things don't get a little too V for Vendetta about things and, you know, the government doesn't come down on us and, get, you know, like, I don't know if they were afraid or they were trying to be like, look, anybody can laugh at this. It's just our cartoon president. It's not, you know, it's we're all in this together, you know, as, as Trump says. It's like, you all voted for me, and the ones that didn't, you kind of wanted to see what would happen. Like, <laughs> So if they're trying to go for, like, look, we're all making fun, but can't we all agree that these parts are funny about Trump? But it doesn't quite get there. Like, it doesn't push hard enough. Um, so anyway, that, that first thing would be to go Hanna-Barbera and use cartoon heritage single problem maybe make it shorter and go that way the other way you could do it I would think is to have Trump not in it as much and it's just everyone else dealing with the storm yeah like who's really the main character right you can veep it I mean, Julia Louise Dreyfus is the main character of Veep, but she's the not cast the president. Of characters, well, but the cast of I, I, I know <laughs> the cast of characters around her is just as entertaining as Julia Louise Dreyfus. So, I, I just think it, it's it's just so much, but nothing. There's not enough of it that works. 
Trump does okay. Trump doesn't work as a main character as he is represented in this cartoon. And uh, the story isn't strong enough to sustain 22 minutes. It just isn't. And eventually it'll get canceled and real Trump will call it a victory. Right. That's the real tragedy. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I expected more from, from it because it was Stephen Colbert. But seeing the designs of things made me like, oh, this doesn't feel like they're going to do anything. It just looks, they look too much like the characters. There's not enough separation. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a moving New Yorker cartoon. Right. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Or, or we won't, or we won't see what happens. That's true. Of all this, Chris, did you have a favorite thing that they did in this episode? I feel like my favorite thing was I think it it was this one moment where the president and Melania Trump are in bed and they're watching TV. And I can't even remember what Trump says, but he says something. Oh, he says, I didn't get three women to marry me by breaking promises. <laughs> That's th- a good moment. And then he looks at the camera, which is breaking the fourth wall. But it turns out that, no, he's not looking at the camera. He's watching TV because that's where the TV is in the room. So it's like a double. And then he's like, why are you looking at me? Why aren't you looking at the TV? So it's like this lovely moment. And I think that was the one time where I was like, okay, that's that's clever. And I was like, it felt clever instead of it because it went with the character, but it was also transforming things as opposed to just. Hey, we all know that Eric Trump is kind of not the best Trump son. Is there a best Trump son? Well, there has to be. Ivanka. <laughs> She's the one with the most chutzpah. <laughs> She's got the most put together life. Yeah, that's chutzpah. <laughs> chutzpah. <laughs> Um, what was your favorite thing? I think it was steering. It's a moment that steered into the cartoon. Trump is not dumb. He's just selfish. It's when he's getting a recap of the, the last bit of Fox and friends that he missed after watching the first 170 minutes. Uh, I forget what it was, uh, something, something and like, Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Trump is fantastic. And Trump says, kill me using a three syllable word. What are you hiding? <laughs> and so it's just like positioning him as like he knows when other people are dumb around him. Mm-hmm. Or hiding. It was a nice. It was a great satirical moment. It was a great character moment. It was a great world of the show moment. It worked. Mm-hmm. I agree with that one. <laughs> um, so should we talk about next time? 
Let's. For next time, to wash away these feelings about this uh, white male American president, we're going to talk about a film about a little Afghani girl. Please watch The Breadwinner. If you have Netflix, it's now available on Netflix, which is crazy. This was just up for the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. And Coco won, and we celebrate that, and that's great. We love that movie, too. But The Breadwinner! Also see The Breadwinner. Did I mention The Breadwinner? As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Curtino, our hardworking engineer, and to Jacob Reed, our theme music composer. You can find us on Facebook and leave us a uh, hate mail, uh, facebook.com slash WG Animated. You can send angry tweet at us at, uh, at WG Animated or um, not have access to our blog at writersgetanimated.tumblr.com for all of our show notes about our cartoon president, not the real one. Well, I don't know about you, Mackenzie, but I feel like this was a terrific episode. It's the most terrific episode ever. Nobody does podcasting better than Writers Get Animated. It's simply, believe me, we are the best podcast you're going to possibly listen to. It's amazing. It's, it's remarkable. It's the best. Let's, let's see Crooked Hillary try to do a better podcast than this. She can't because she's a woman. See, now we're, we're trying to cram it all into our episode. Too. Exactly. See, it's a danger and it should be stopped. <laughs> Good night, everybody.